Welcome to The Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, the red-letter basics, and following in the example of the Book of Acts Church. We're going to regain that world-shaking influence the early church had, and we're going to do that by not filtering it down, not watering it down, but looking at the Word exactly as it was intended and written. Church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. Go to OnSolomon'sPorch.org if you want to reach us or to FirefallTalkRadio.com. Use the contact button. There's also ways to support us. Thank you to everyone that does support us. Thank you to our listeners here on Spreaker, which is our main site, the old blog talk radio site, as well as iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe to us here on Spreaker, and that way you'll know when there is a new podcast up for you to listen to. We are five weeks away from the Sea Conference here in Orlando, Saturday, July 27th. Two sessions, 2 to 5, 7 to 10. They're not the same session twice, but the second one builds off the first, so you're going to want to block out your afternoon. And spend it with us. If you want to stay over, we have a great rate of $79 plus tax at the Rosen Inn Point, Orlando, 9000 International Drive, Orlando, Florida, 32819. Call 800-999-8585. Tell them you're coming to the C-Conference. Booking ID is 68136 to get that rate. The cutoff date for that special rate is two weeks from now, July 5th. So make your booking now. Lock it in. We will be in the Magnolia room. Let us know that you're coming. Go to firefallmediagroup.com or our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash firefallmediagroup, or email us at firefallmediagroupgmail.com and tell us that you're coming. If you email us, make sure you put in the subject the C conference and just say save me a seat or however many seats you need. We're praying that everyone who's there is supposed to be there. No, let me rephrase it. Well, yeah, everyone that is there is supposed to be there, but everyone that's supposed to be there is there. And if you're coming, invite people to come with you. Praise report per request. That's how we ride here on the porch. We always start out that anywhere, anytime. We praise the Lord first. So I praise him for my home, for my wife, for my sons, daughter-in-law's grandsons, our furry kids some people you call them pets i don't i don't know why you call them pets those are our kids for all the possessions he's given us all this the electronics this home everything that allows me to work his ministry for him this is his ministry and i thank him for choosing me to do it i praise him for his protection that psalm 91 covering that is always in effect if you activate it for the dreams and the visions and everything that he has been sharing with us of late. I praise him for his healing virtues. I just praise him because I can praise him. I'm not going to let the rocks out praise me. Yes, I'm going to make a joyful noise. And I don't care what my neighbors think, anybody walking by thinks. If they're driving by when they have their window open, they may hear the sound of the shofar blasting from this house. I don't care. I'm going to praise him. I am a new creation. I am born again. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I am thankful 
that we are living in these prophetic times, and I believe that he is getting ready to come back. So I thank him for the signs. I thank him and for the favor and the revelation and everything that he has done for us. And my prayer, of course, is for me, my family, my my team, and, and everybody involved with Firefall on the porch and SRT. I pray for the Middle East. I pray for Israel and and the, the peace of Jerusalem, things going on over there right now. I would be surprised if over the next 10 days to three weeks, two weeks, that we are not in the middle of something over there. Whatever the Lord decides, that's what will happen. I pray for the fatherless. The widows, the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. I pray for the victims of injustice, for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. I pray I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, the scourge in America. It's it's just it's gross, it's disgusting what we have become as a society. This this train called America and Western civilization is hurtling down the tracks and it has no brakes. I pray for those that are being persecuted for their faith. The anti I pray against the anti-Semitism that's on the rise and the victims of sex trafficking. I'm praying divine wholeness, health, and healing for me, for my loved ones, for all of you, that we would be whole and complete in Yeshua's name. Going back to our divine design. If you're sick, be healed. If you're hurting, be healed. If you're broken, be healed. I'm praying for the inspiration that we all need right now to keep going. I'm praying for the remnant to wake up. If you're a part of the remnant and you're not involved, either by praying for us, supporting, or being a part of what we're doing, then I'm asking you to do it. Wake up. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If if you know how to pray, then get on your knees and begin to pray for me and my family and every member of my team. If you need to know who they are, you write me and I'll tell you. I'm just praying that we would answer the call to, the, to action. The harvest is great. Laborers are few. The Lord needs our help. He's chosen us to do this with him and for him. And for those blessings to flow like a mighty river so that we can do what he's called us to do. Continue to pray for healing for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando. Restoration and the unspoken prayer request regarding a legal matter we've been involved in. Um, Larry's wife, Sally, in North Florida, praise reports. She's doing much, much better. She's she's active, so th- thank you for the prayers for her. Stacy in Texas, unspoken prayer request for her and her family. Um, Kim in Fort Mitchell, I'm, I'm going to just glean through this. She's having a tough time right now and um, says she's not well. She's impatient, anxious, um, uh, feeling unworthy. She's had some financial setbacks, and money will do that. She's worried and worrying about money will do that. She says, I don't know how to get out of this. Well, that's honest. You don't. Only the Lord can help you. She says, this interferes with everything I've worked for to clean up my past mistakes. I don't know how to get out of this. She's having a hard time understanding, and but she's going to praise him anyway. She's going to find the gratitude in the dark place and praise him. She says, I praise you, Father, for everything that I've taken for granted. 
I praise you for the most important thing, my salvation. I praise you for keeping me sober and humble. For my children, my friends, family, this ministry, my dog Bruno, I praise you for everything that you provide for us. Father, please continue to protect us and provide for us. Guide me through this darkness. She wants to know what the lesson is in this, Lord, so I'm praying that you will show her, that you will help her not to feel defeated, that you will guide her and provide for her and answer her prayers in Yeshua's name. Father, we thank you. We just thank you. You are Abba Father, Papa God, Daddy. And you are awesome. I mean, you are absolutely above and beyond anything we can think or imagine awesome. So I'm praying right now that you would bless those that are listening. Kim and Stacy and and my family and my home and my loved ones and the members of my team. And Lord, just everybody listening right now. They need a tangible touch from you. They need to feel the presence of your Holy Spirit upon them. I know you're in them, but Lord, they need to feel it. They need to be enveloped into it. If you need to send an angel, I ask that you do that. We need breakthrough. We need breakthrough blessings. So we're praying for that right now so that we can serve you. We can be about your business. We can go out and about and destroy the work of the enemy and set the captives free and bring the signs of the Messiah to a lost and dying world that does not see them. That we can wake up our brothers and sisters who are asleep in the light. Candles are going out. The oil is dry. The wicks need to be trimmed. Father, we just we want to make straight the highway for the return of the king. So please hear us. Please hear our prayers. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that you shed to pay our debts. Thank you for rising from the grave and rising up to sit at the right hand of the Father and sending back your Holy Spirit who walks with us and abides with us and teaches us. I call for that fire inside of us and outside of us to envelop us in a Holy Spirit cocoon. Burn us clean. Keep the enemy from us. And let us hear from you this night. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about walking in the spirit. We've been talking about everything necessary to function within the kingdom of God. We know that the Spirit brings life, but the enemy wants death. We know that the Spirit brings light, but the enemy wants darkness. The Spirit brings love, the enemy wants hatred. The Spirit brings compassion, and the enemy wants cold-heartedness. The Spirit brings change, 
The enemy wants stagnation. Light, life, love, compassion, change, that's what brings the kingdom of God. You see, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It's not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. That's 1 Corinthians 4.20. God's dunamis, explosive, self-replicating, reproducing, dynamic power from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling weak, you're feeling down, you're feeling puny, you're feeling beat up, well, that's because you're trying to do it on your own work. You're trying to do it under your own efforts. Pray for the Holy Spirit. If you have a prayer language, use it. If you have a prayer shawl, get under it. If you have a prayer closet, get in it. See, the Lord told the disciples, which then applies to us, that you shall receive power, his ability, his efficiency and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, the very bounds of the earth, everywhere it can be, it will be. This is the power that he gave to them and is dispensed to us to take the gospel everywhere, anyhow, anytime, to tell them the truth. The truth is that someone died for their sins. The truth is that God loved them so much, he asked his only begotten son to die for them. This isn't about religion. This isn't about statues or plaster Paris icons on a wall. This isn't about dressing in robes or any of the trappings of religion. This is about a man who died on the cross, shed every drop of blood for you. You shall receive power. And I get it. I understand. You know, there are days you just don't feel it. But feelings are not a proper measurement of the truth. Your feelings are not the truth. The truth is in the Word. The truth sits on the throne. The truth is the Holy Spirit. He is the source of the power that allows us to walk in this fallen world. He's the source of the power for the evangelism and the missionary effort to the world. He's also the source of the power for building the church, not a building, not walls, not platforms, not cushion chairs, us, the church. We are the living temple, and it's his power that does that. But see, the book of Acts Church, though we talk about them and we we focus on how they did things, they had a lot of problems. And one of the problems was the enemy didn't just go, oh, oh, um, we lost, we're going to take our ball and leave now. No. No, they doubled their efforts. They did everything they could to stop this explosive entity called the church. And even within the churches that were exploding, there were problems. Paul was having a problem in the church in Corinth. They were beginning to drift off into questionable doctrine and waste their energies with internal strife over doctrines and personalities. And so we have two letters to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. They didn't spend a lot of time thinking up the titles, but that's what they are, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. But you know what? There were other letters that he wrote. But those are the two that were saved and preserved and kept into what we call the Bible. 
because they showed two churches. The first church, first book is the church that's exploding. Second church is imploding. Second one's imploding. Same thing with First Timothy. Second Timothy, it happened everywhere. It happens. We had it in the home fellowship. When people first get saved and everybody comes together, it's fresh and it's new and it's dynamic and, and signs and wonders happen. And then personalities come out and personalities get in the way and things start to happen. And before you know it, it, it there are problems. That's just human nature. And there are ways to dealing with it. But one of the problems that Paul had in Corinth was false teaching. And some of the teachers were causing divisions. And they were acting as if Paul was never coming back and he was never going to hold them accountable for their actions. That's why he said the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. He said, hey, I'm coming back and I'm bringing some power with me. And these were teachers that were puffed up. They were conceited. They were caught up in their knowledge and, and what they were teaching. And folks, nothing's changed. The same problems that the Book of Acts Church had, we have today. But we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And wherever you try to implement kingdom living, as I call it, the enemy is going to rise up to resist it. Paul had the power and the willingness to expose and discipline those who were affecting the church. He even sent Timothy there to handle it. And so, of course, the people there thought, well, he sent Timothy. He's not coming. He doesn't have the courage to confront us. He's too busy for us. Well, he was. He was in Ephesus at that time. We read about in Acts 19 and um Paul was doing what he was supposed to do. He doesn't need to be holding our hand. You know, there's a time to grow up. There's a time to stop on the baby food and chew real meat. But what he was saying is, this isn't about great oration. I didn't come to you with that. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, When I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of of God. You know, I get real offended when men put their name on their ministries. I get real offended when men put their names on their own translation of the Bible. That's a bit arrogant for me. Paul didn't do that. I know one thing and one thing only. Yeshua and him crucified. He didn't have persuasive words of human wisdom. He came in the power of the Holy Spirit. He came in the power of the living word, the power of the written word, so that their faith would not be on him or the humanistic wisdom or philosophy or knowledge, but in the power of God. Your only hope right now, 
Whatever you're going through, whatever's happening financially, emotionally, maritally, uh, physically, whatever it is, whatever's happening to you right now, can't be, the answers aren't in a book, though the Bible has the answer. The answer's in the Holy Spirit. The answer's in the name of the, of the, and the power of Yeshua. See, that's the dynamics of the kingdom of God. You know, the thing we were talking about, the pattern or process of change and growth and activity. Right now, this is another time I wish we were all together in one place. I'm really looking forward to that day in Orlando. Do you feel dynamic? Do you feel like you're in the process of change or growth and activity? Or do you feel stagnant? Have you allowed your circumstances to keep you on your spiritual cushions, moaning, whining, groaning, or you're on your knees, or you're moving around. What are you doing to change how you feel? Prayer isn't about, no, sometimes you have to shout. Sometimes you have to sing. Sometimes you have to dance. The dynamics of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, has an effect on every part of our life. That's, that's what the Lord said in John. He says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, John 16. You know, I read this a lot. I have now for nine years. But if I don't go away, the helper, the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, the one that's going to walk beside you, the one that's going to run with you and encourage you, he won't come. But if I depart, I'm going to send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Hold on a second. How's the time? Do you hear that? You've been judged. You're done. You're finished. You're on borrowed time. But he had more to tell them, but they couldn't bear it because they needed the spirit of truth. Because when the spirit of truth has come, he would guide them into all truth. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears from the throne room, he speaks. And he tells us the things to come. He glorifies Yeshua, doesn't glorify himself. And he takes what's his and declares it to us. And everything that belongs to the Father belongs to him. See, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. But as we talked about last week, there are counterfeits. There are counterfeit dynamic actions. There are counterfeits to the kingdom of God that have been set in motion by the kingdom of darkness. Like I said, he he tempted him in the wilderness and then left him for an opportune time. Yes, he lost on Calvary. He lost big time at the resurrection. He seriously got some scaly butt kicked on the ascension and Pentecost. But he didn't quit. Matter of fact, he got enraged. He got maniacal. He got dangerous. He was dangerous before, and they were dangerous before. But folks, they're really dangerous now. We can't sit. We can't lollygag. I like that word. We can't lollygag about this 
because the enemy is busy. The fallen are busy. The demons are busy. Those that believe in them and follow them and worship them are busy. So we need to get busy, but we need to do it with the purity that only the Holy Spirit can do. See, he purifies the word in us, and he purifies the word that comes out of us. The Lord is the living word, and we've been called to live the word. Living, live, alive. You see the dynamics of this? There's nothing dead. There's no zombie church here. Well, not here, but there there are plenty of them out there. And what's amazing, if you could smell in the spirit, they stink. They really do. There's this sulfurous, rotting egg smell. And if you've never smelled it, say thank you. I've never smelled it. I don't want to. But if you have, you know it. That's places that believe that they're saved. They're born again. Those are the ones that he's going to say, I never knew you. But see, Satan is out and about and he's doing his thing. He's not in hell. He's not locked up. He's out and about. And we talked about Acts 8 and Simon Magus, the sorcerer. And through him, he created a counterfeit and a corrupt religious entity. And that same spirit and that same concept is alive and well today. In the pulpit commentary, The Acts of the Apostles, Dr. A.C. Hervey, he's the author of Church History. This is what he said. Simon anticipated richer harvest of gain as a Christian, conferring spiritual powers by the laying on of hands, than as a magician, amazing man by his sorceries. And so he offered Peter money. In the rapid succession of sorcery, belief, baptism, simony, confusion, was the sure index of a heart of a heart that was still held fast by the bonds of iniquity, and a natural prelude to a life of base cunning and using holy things for unholy gain. See, that's Simon Magus. He wanted to buy the power. Nothing changed him. Being in the presence of of the apostles didn't change him. Listen to what I'm about to say here, please. And this is quoting um, Dr. Hervey, Hervey, out of the pulpit commentary. The career of Simon, one of the notable early church heretics that was denounced with terrible severity, leaves us this lesson. That contact, contact, with holy things, if it does not convert, hardens the heart. That the light of Christ, if it does not purify the soul, plunges it into deeper darkness. That familiarity with spiritual powers, which does not subdue and sanctify, has a tendency to stimulate the intelligence only and give it access to the lower depths of intellectual wickedness and deadly sin. Basically what he's saying is because somebody sits in a church it's not going to change them. Just because they stand near somebody that's really anointed or really powerful in the Lord, that's not going to change them. Salvation changes them. Conviction changes them. People will give a profession of religion because they fear losing their influence. We need to stop being fooled by people who profess faith but don't show it. They say they're an apple tree, but the fruit on their tree doesn't match. 
I don't believe Simon Magus was a born-again believer. I believe he was the head of a counterfeit universal religion based out of Rome. And Acts 8 convinces me of that. And the history of the church confirms it. Because the Spirit of God can't be bought. It's a free gift. It can't be controlled. It can't be told what to do. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you do. I don't care the good deeds. I don't care what it is you think you can do to make the Holy Spirit do what you want him to. He doesn't. Spiritual power is not for sale. He does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, where he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. You can't hold meetings and say, well, we're going to tell you your calling. Ah, no, you're not. Well, we're going to give you your gifts. Ah, no, you're not. All you can do is come in agreement and pray with them that the Holy Spirit does it and that they understand what the Holy Spirit is doing. And if we are unable, unwilling, or disobedient, and we don't want to let go of our past, and we don't want to truly repent of our past, nothing's going to change. Simon Magus, probably the father of Gnosticism in the church, the seeking of Gnosis, the Greek word for knowledge. That's what Paul and Peter and John were battling within a few decades after the death and resurrection of the Lord. And here we are, all this many years later, and folks, it keeps circling back, and it keeps making a comeback. And I think we're in full-fledged resurrection, if you will, to use a poor word, of this fungus called Gnosticism, that faith is superior that faith is inferior to knowledge, that knowledge is everything, that the absolute godlike nature is in your mind, and it has nothing to do with faith. Salvation is, a, is acquired through some cosmic efforts and not through salvation, that Jesus of Nazareth was a Christ figure with a Christ consciousness, but he was not the Messiah, that he didn't have to die, that blood didn't have to be shed. See, that's why John was writing First John. You say to me, Richard, why are you pounding on this two weeks in a row? Because I see what's going on out there. I see people that I care about being deceived by false teachings with seeds of the word in it. But they're pure poison. The same poison John was dealing in in First John. This comes from the Believer's Bible Commentary by William MacDonald. At the time John was writing, a false sect had arisen which became known as Gnosticism. Gnosis equals knowledge. The Gnostics professed to be Christians, but claimed to have additional knowledge superior to what the apostles taught. They claimed that a person could not be completely fulfilled until he had been initiated into the deeper truths. Some taught that matter was evil and that therefore man Jesus, the man Jesus, could not be God. They made a distinction between Jesus and the Christ. The Christ was divine emanation which came upon Jesus at baptism and left before his death, perhaps in the Garden of Gethsemane. According to them, Jesus did die, but the Christ did not die. They insisted that the heavenly Christ was too holy and spiritual to be soiled by permanent contact with human flesh. Essentially, they denied the incarnation, that Jesus is the Messiah, 
in that he was both God and man. I am seeing this now on YouTube, on social media, from people that should know better. I personally know people that are falling for this. We are in a war, and that war is for the souls of the lost. But right now we're in a war for the minds and the spirits and the lives of our brothers and sisters who've been fed poisonous food from false shepherds. And if we don't intercede in prayer, if we don't battle against this lying spirit, this satanic spirit, this information from the fallen, we're going to lose them. And they're going to backslide to a point that will say, I never knew you. What does John say? Let me let me get back to the word here. I was about to say some things I'd have to repent for. First John two. Start with me, uh, uh, verse fifteen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Why is he touching on this? Because in the Gnostic circles, there is no morality. You see, if you're a cosmic creature, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. And sin and debauchery is a part of the equation. Little children is the last hour, John says. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. He's referring to those teachers, by which we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But when, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. He's speaking of false teachers. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And who is a liar but he who denies that Yeshua is the Messiah? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either, but he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. He's talking about teaching what they're saying. But but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Holy Spirit's the bringer of truth. He's going to tell you what Yeshua said. He's going to confirm it or he's going to refute it. He's not saying there's no need of teachers. We know that God created them. In Ephesians 4.11, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. But what he's saying is that God, through his Holy Spirit, confirms to you what is the truth. When somebody says to you, hey, we can't put God in a box. we got to think outside the box. My response is, but yeah, now you're outside the book. 
Oh, we can't put the Holy Spirit in the box. He can do anything. But if it doesn't line up with his word, and if I can't find an example in his word, if I can't through the Holy Spirit and revelation have him expound upon a word or a phrase or a section of scripture or a prophecy to confirm what I'm believing, then I have to reject it. Now, when did he write 1 John? First of all, he wrote the Gospel of John in 85 A.D., which means he wrote 1 and 2 John sometime between 85 and 95 A.D. The Lord died in 33 A.D. This infection was in the church almost immediately. Why? Because Satan put it there. He could not afford for the Book of Acts church to do what they were doing unimpeded. Uh, he had to stop them. And he couldn't stop the Word. The Word is the Word. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He couldn't stop that. He couldn't outdo it. I mean, he's got some mojo, but when it comes to throne room power, he's like a AAA battery. But he's doing exactly what he does. He takes a lie and he builds around a little bit of truth and he deceives a lot of people. John was confronting the lies of the Gnostics as an eyewitness. He had an eyewitness account. I saw the resurrection. I saw the miracles. There are 500 people that were still alive and they saw him. But if you've ever been around somebody that's deceived... You've got to break through that lying spirit. You've got to break through whatever the enemy has done to get them to see. We want to abide in him. We want to be a branch that flows sap and produces fruit. Otherwise, according to John fifteen six, if you don't, then he casts you out and you are withered and you're thrown into the fire and burned. This is serious stuff. I I don't know if you get it. I sit here and I pray. Larry and I pray. I intercede. I get before the Lord. Sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and I go sit in my chair and I pray. I'm not worried, but I am concerned. The enemy is jacked up on some kind of demonic steroids. They've been fed by sin. They've been fed by the world. They've been fed by bloodshed. Folks, these, the power of darkness is getting ready for the final event. Where is the church? Oh, I know that there are other resistance fighters out there. It was the resistance fighters that slowed down the Nazis long enough for the Allies to get involved. Where's the church? Where's the fivefold ministry, Book of Acts, church? I think it's in the remnant. I think the rest of the church has gone to sleep. We have been given eternal life. We have the Son in us. And if you don't, you don't. See, Simon Magus and everybody like him since then have chosen the world and they've chosen the devil and darkness for their favor, for their power, for their riches. They didn't want to pay the cost 
to live in the kingdom of God. Oh, wait a second. He he paid everything on the... Yeah, he paid for your sins on the cross. But Simon Magus was not worthy of the kingdom of God. These false teachers are not worthy of the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5.5 5. No fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, or idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah and God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Corruption does not inherit incorruption. And yes, that's talking about your glorified body, but you don't get to that point if you're living a sinful life. You don't get to that point if you're serving Hasatan and the fallen. You don't get to that point if you're like Simon Magus. We've got to be willing to let go of ourselves and our dreams and our preconceived notions of what we think we're going to do for the Lord and say, your will be done. We've got to let go of our selfishness and our desires. Oh, you can pray. Right now, somebody would say to me, well, the word says that he would give me the desires of my heart. Yeah, well, the desires of your heart better line up with his word and the will of the Father for you. Because if you're not praying in agreement with him, he's not going to be in agreement with giving it to you. We must be willing to have him strip us clean to give us the freedom to follow him. It is a process. You may think, well, I've done all that. I, I remember the days. Well, I've given it all up. I have forgiven everybody. I'm good. And then going to a men's retreat and exposing deep down, hidden way deep down in the darkness of my soul was a hatred and an unforgiveness I had for my birth father who had walked out on me, and the Holy Spirit had to sneak in and rip it out of there. And I, I thought I was clean. I thought I'd forgiven everybody. Matter of fact, when the, the speaker was going, we're going to get to areas of unforgiveness, and when I get to yours, just stand up. I took out a book to read. Hey, I'm good. I just did that last week. And then I'm standing on my feet, and I don't know how I got there. And then I'm heading towards the door because I know something's coming out. The Holy Spirit will help you. He will heal you. He will do this with you if you let him. See, the Lord told Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see means to know, to be aware of, to perceive the actual perception of the kingdom and its realities. And that only happens when we are transformed by God from the inside out. When we have been renewed, when we have cast off our former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt, which means decays according to deceitful lust, and we have been renewed in the spirit of our mind, and we have put on that new man, that new creation, which was created according to God and to true righteousness and holiness. How do I know that? Says it in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. This Bible from Genesis to Revelation was inspired by God but over a period of time by men who never were with each other except for the disciples, but they wrote books, the prophets wrote books, and yet it all ties together. Yet exact sections of a specific chapter, when looked at it like I just did, gives a revelation of the Spirit. That's God. That's how awesome he is. If you are in Messiah, 
then you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians 5.17 As I've told you here and when I speak and in my book, The Supernatural Battle, that was a trigger for me that something was wrong because all things had not become new. I was still bound by old choices. I was still doing the things I used to do before. I had some bad programming, and this hard drive really needed to be wiped. I needed some Holy Spirit antivirus to get rid of some of that inside of me. And that's when I realized being born again wasn't some religious concept. It was a literal concept. If you're still struggling with old sins and old bondages... If, if if the little things that tripped you up before still trip you up, here's what I want you to pray. Lord, search me. And if you find any of my old nature in me, if any areas of my soul, my mind, my spirit, my heart have not become new in you, then purge it and change me. Because we have been reconciled to him through his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And because of that, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Just as God the Father used Messiah to reconcile the world to him, not imputing their sins and their trespasses on them, he has committed us to that word of reconciliation. Hey, you don't have to be this way. Yeah, I get it. You've done bad things. You've hurt people. Maybe even you broke some laws that you're going to have to deal with. But you don't have to be this way anymore. We are ambassadors of Messiah. And he's pleading through us to go to people and tell them that through Messiah they are reconciled to God, both Jew and Gentile. Don't be afraid. On Facebook, if you follow me, you know that I post these videos on YouTube of Jews who have become saved and found Yeshua, how they did it, all ages, all sizes, all uh, occupations, so that somebody who follows me who may be Jewish or may be unsaved, can watch this video and the Spirit can do something with it. Because he made him who had no sin to become sin and pay our price so that we could be made righteous in him and be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. He paid a price in his flesh to free us. Our freedom cost him something. And unfortunately for us, there's going to be tribulation in this world because of it. The God of this world hates that. He hates the Father, he hates the Son, and he hates us. You see, there's going to be tribulation. Don't let anybody tell you that there's not. There's going to be a struggle. Every now and then, the enemy is going to get a shot in. But he can't win. All he can do is stall the inevitable. We serve a righteous and a holy God. Our Father is holy. He is Abba. He is loving. He is awesome. But he's holy. And the only reason we have access to the throne room right now is because of Yeshua and his blood. And he has placed 
a universal law in effect, can't be changed, can't be rewritten, can't be undone. It's called sowing and reaping. Which means, just very simply, the seeds we plant determines the crop we get. It's that simple. But the world tells us otherwise. Oh, grace, grace upon grace. Everything's grace. Don't worry about it. Blood's got you covered. Go do it. That's the enemy talking. That's deceitful spirits talking. Those are lying spirits talking. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever we sow, we will reap. If we sow to the flesh, and that's what the Gnostics did, and that's what many of those people that think like that do, they sow to the flesh, well, guess what? They're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So which one is it? Which one do you sow to? And what do you water and what do you fertilize, the Spirit or the flesh? The struggles you're having right now, the obstacles, the things tripping you up and skinning your spiritual knees, what are they and why are they happening? Because there's two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, and there is no in-between. There's either the kingdom of God or the world of flesh and the devil. That's the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdoms of this earth, both natural and spiritual, they're going to have a front row seat. When that shofar sounds and that sky splits and he returns. And I can tell you right now, their knees are going to knock and their hearts going to beat faster. And oh, they're going to try to fight. They're not going to go down without a fight, but it's going to be a waste of time on their behalf. Because they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. He said that in Luke twenty one twenty seven, And what he was quoting was Daniel seven thirteen and 14, where Daniel said, I was watching in the night visions. And behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near to him. Then he came to him and was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. Yeshua is the Son of Man. The Father is the Ancient of Days. And he's the one who laid the beams on the upper chambers of the waters. He's the one who made the clouds his chariot and walks on the wings of the wind. That we're told about in Psalm 104.3. We're in that period of time. That what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in America, what's going on in the entertainment industry, what's going on in the homes, what's going on in all these levels are signs. They're like warning signs on the dashboard of your car when something needs to be fixed or something needs to be checked. Folks, these lights are blinking and they're blinking everywhere. And I talk to people and they look at me with a glassy-eyed stare. Well, that's all, you know, God's got it all taken care of. I don't really have to pay attention to that. Well, then why did he tell us to watch? 
Take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life that the day come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on those who dwell on the face of the earth, on the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch out. That's what he's saying. We've been told to be alert. We've been told to be ready. We've been told to watch for his return. We've been told that men's hearts will fail them from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. It's in Luke 21, Matthew 24. Come on. Let's enter into the abiding kingdom. Let's do what he's called us to do. But let me give you a final warning before we close this out. Actually, I'll... Let the Lord do it. Red letters. Luke nine sixty two. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, that's how serious commitment to him is. See, when you put your hand on the plow, you've engaged into the task, and the task is serving the kingdom. If you're looking back, it makes it very difficult to plow straight furrows. See, the ancient farmer held the plow with his left hand and the oxen with his right, and looking away or looking behind him would turn the plow out of its path, which means for us looking back onto earthly concerns, onto our past behavior, onto past relationship. Folks, if God is taking you out of a relationship, let it go. If it's his and he wants you to have it back, he'll heal it. My wife had to let me go. She had to stop praying for the marriage and stop praying for my salvation, for my salvation to happen and for restoration to come back to the marriage. We need to serve the kingdom of God and stop looking back. You see, many, many tribulations are going to come. And we need to continue in the faith. We need to continue in the word. We need to continue in his love, his grace, and his goodness. We need to continue in prayer. We need to continue in sound doctrine. The demonic spirit that was in Simon Magus and every false teacher since then to now. We need to be ready to refute them in love, but with word. And we better have the Holy Spirit in us to be able to speak it and confound them. we got to be ready. We need to be ready for this. Father, I just come to you now. I'm not going to... i got some other things. I'll pick it up next time. I'd rather pray. Lord, we need your help. Each and every one of us, we need your help. Personally, emotionally, physically, financially, mentally. We just need you. We need all of you. I, for one, can't stand this world. I really can't. I'd rather be with you. I'd rather be walking in the four square city. I'd rather see you on the throne. I'd rather have that meeting with you face to face. But I know it's not time. And as sin grows great, our calling grows greater. As darkness increases, we need to shine brighter. And my brothers and sisters that are here, that are listening, that are in agreement with me, Dad, we want to be about your business. We want to clear a path. 
We want to set the captives free. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, heal what needs to be healed, correct what needs to be corrected, reveal what needs to be revealed. But pass out the assignments. Send the provisions for the army. Let the power that's inside of us explode exponentially in accordance with the demand and the need. And let us run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Let us rise up with wings as eagles, Lord. Rise up above the storm, rise up above the clouds, rise up above the enemy, and do what you call us to do, to be whole, to be complete, to be living witnesses of the living word in a dying world. Reach in right now, Lord. Touch your children, Holy Spirit. Touch them. Envelop them. Lay your glory upon them. Heal them. Deep down inside. Deep, deep inside. And if, like me that day, Lord, there's anything in them that's not of you, that's hidden, and waited for an opportune time to rise up again, I pray right now you'd remove it, that you'd kick it out, that you'd compel it out, that area would be healed, and they would close the door on that part of their life. I know what that freedom felt like. I know what that relief felt like. And so I'm asking that for them, Dad. I'm asking that you do that. And I'm asking you to raise up your soldiers, raise up your warriors. Raise up your remnant and go with us. Let's shake this world one last time. Let's shake it down to its foundations. Let's shake it in a way that the book of Acts Church would be envious of so that we can be with you. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. This is what it's about, folks. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about building buildings or denominations. It's about building the kingdom of God. It's about getting ready for the return of the king and being part of the process. I pray that you want to be a part of the process. I pray that you want to be a part of the solution. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.